Welcome birders, this is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. I mentioned on the last episode of the podcast that I'm now on a big car trip. I feel like I've traveled quite a bit in the United States, and since I started birding, I've visited a lot of places that non-birders might not have thought too much about visiting. But, like a lot of other birders, my travels have overemphasized a few places in the United States, like Southeast Arizona, California, Texas, Florida, places that birders just tend to congregate because there are a lot of birds there that you really can't find in other places. The corners of the country are in colors of red and orange, along with Arizona and Texas for me on my eBird profile. Uh, and because I've lived the last 35 years in Washington, that, that area of the country is pretty well birded, and I was born and raised in Maine, so that corner of the country is pretty well birded for me. Uh, but for me, the southeast and the states in between uh, the Rockies and the Appalachians are pretty underbirded. Prior to this trip, there were 13 states that I had no eBird records from. Three states are New England states, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Connecticut, and I know I've birded briefly in all of those states, but it was before eBird for me, and I haven't really tried to get old records together and, and add them to my eBird profile. Same is true of some of the other states, Maryland especially, I know I've birded there, but again, before eBird. But Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, never really birded. Uh, but a big chunk of the unburdened states for me, unburdened states, a funny term, unburdened states for me, are along the Mississippi Flyway. As a lot of birders know, birds that migrate from relatively northern parts of the northern hemisphere to breed to more southern areas to spend their winters often migrate either along one of the coasts or down the center of the country. And in the center of the country, there's a route that roughly follows the Mississippi River that's used by a lot of migrants, and it's called the Mississippi Flyway. It's most famous for waterfowl migration, and uh, think people like Ducks Unlimited have spent a good deal of uh, effort and money in helping su sustain habitat for waterfowl along that flyway. But a lot of other species also use that route, including a lot of shorebirds and songbirds. I've been hoping to make a time to follow migration from the southern part of the U.S. up along the Mississippi Flyway ever since I retired, but this year I'm finally making it happen. I had originally thought I'd start this trip in, way down south in the Rio Grande Valley and drive up the coast of Texas and along the Gulf Coast first and then up along the Mississippi, but in part because I visited a lot of those areas in Texas in, in times past, and because that's a really long drive, I decided to just start at the mouth of the Mississippi or in New Orleans. Uh, so Marion and I flew to New Orleans on Friday the 15th of April after arriving about midnight or a little bit after, actually on early Saturday the 16th, uh, and had little delays on the way. So we got in a little bit late and my plans to get up really early and hit it hard on the 16th took a little bit of a blow, but we still got up pretty good. Uh, and uh, headed out. I had uh, tried to fill in my, uh, my Georgia gray on eBird by finding a bird at the Atlanta airport, but couldn't happen. Couldn't, couldn't rustle up a rock pigeon, a house sparrow, or a soaring vulture, or anything from the window by the gate. So no luck there. But anyway, yesterday, after a quick night's sleep, uh, and really uh, not as early as I'd hoped to get up for the dawn chorus, we headed out uh, to the Bayou National, Bayou Sauvage National Wildlife Refuge. It's about 30 minutes east of our hotel in New Orleans, and I had high hopes and pretty good energy. First stop was the Ridge Trail Boardwalk, 
where at first I thought I might not get a passer in that wasn't a Northern Cardinal or a Carolina Wren, both of which seemed to be calling from everywhere, especially the Cardinals. In Washington, we joke that if you hear a loud bird call, you can't quite identify it's probably a Bewick's Wren. Well, here it's most likely a Cardinal. They have also this quiet little metallic chip note that just seems like it's everywhere, and I've really got to get that down, so I stop chasing it every time I hear it, thinking it might be something else. But most of the calls are pretty loud, along with their song. We did manage a pretty good list of birds there. Uh, both vultures, turkey and black vultures, seem like always overhead, and lots of herons, egrets, and anhingers seem to be flying every which way. Black-bellied whistling ducks might have been the first bird I saw as it was flying overhead as I got out of the car, and that's one of the easy ducks to identify in flight. All good stuff for a Washington birder, but really not the passer and migrants that I've been craving on this trip. Intellectually, I understand that some days there are likely to be good numbers of um, passer and migrants, and others in any given area, and other days maybe not so much might be pretty quiet. Still, we looked hard and we found a few passerins. We heard some painted buntings, heard several, but never could get an eye on one. An oven bird, a nice easy song to identify, sang a few times, but I never could see it. Common yellowthroats were singing here and there, but again, didn't really get an eye on them. Uh, but that was about it for migratory songbirds at that stop. We did get good looks at a swamp sparrow, and that's always fun for me, and hearing and seeing fish crows is kind of a treat. We finished there about 10.20, and it was getting hot. Uh, that area is pretty much completely in the sun, and things were definitely slowing down. Marion decided to take a break, and I, I walked across uh, Route 90 uh, to a place called Recovery One Road, which is supposed to be a really good hot spot, and it was nice. It was shady, and birding was a little bit uh, busier, although still pretty slow. Uh, I met a, a young female birder coming out with her dog who said, told me she'd flush three barn owls out of an abandoned structure farther down the road, and I couldn't relocate them when I got there. But I did spot a Sora while I was talking to her and got her a, got her a good look at it with my scope. The only new passerin was a white-eyed vireo, and again, singing like crazy, both on the way in and the way out, but not seen. From here, we drove around the east side of Lake and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, Pontchartrain, I think is how it's called, Pontchartrain. Uh, anyway, the east side of the big lake uh, north of uh, New Orleans uh, to the pine woodlands on the north side of the lake. I was hoping to see and hoping to show Marion lifers of red-cockaded woodpecker, brown-headed nuthatch, and pine warbler there. It was hot early afternoon boarding, birding, and the boardwalk, uh, was it was pretty hot. Uh, I was uh, skeptical, but soon... Uh, one of the first birds I heard it was a call I didn't know, and I, I used Merlin, and Merlin told me he's a red-headed woodpecker. I was skeptical, but pretty soon we found it drilling in a nest, drilling a nest cavity and a snag out over the swamp, and got great looks at this. Uh, just a beautiful bird. I have to say, I love red-headed woodpeckers. It was a lifer for Marion, although she's pretty sure she saw them as a kid growing up in Iowa. Brown-headed nuthatches were easy. They were really working the trees right around the parking lot. And pine warblers were just singing everywhere. And I got great listens to them, although I never could get my eyes on one. We did not get a red-cockaded woodpecker, although it seemed like every other birder who put in a list from that area has had them. Uh, maybe I just don't know a call note, but never could get on them. Anyway, missed red-cockaded woodpecker, and that's one we'll probably miss for the trip. I don't think it's going to be available later on. Uh, we finished the day with a nice dinner in the French Quarter at a sidewalk cafe and at a Latin restaurant, and chimney swifts were twittering overhead for our last bird of the day. This morning we got up early, uh, nice and early, and got to the city park 
just about sunrise. It was a, it's really a remarkable park, and we started the Coucherie Forest area. It's just a beautiful place with wonderful trails and really seems like terrific habitat, and it was quiet. Uh, another quiet day for migration, I think. Uh, I can't say it was quiet. Cardinals and uh, Carolina wrens and brown thrashers were just singing like crazy, and we got good looks at all of those birds. Uh, both species of night herons, black and yellow crowned night herons, flew by the waterway, uh, and a, a wood ducks were flying back and forth. We got nice looks at those, but in terms of migrants, not happening. We tried to access Scout Island next, but it was locked up tight and I could not find any way to get in, so we didn't get to go there. And we decided to combine some sightseeing with some birding and went to some of the, the uh, cemeteries here in, uh, in New Orleans. The cemeteries here are above ground because of the high water table and the fact that New Orleans is at or below sea level in a lot of areas. Uh, and so they uh, don't, want their, uh, don't want their caskets floating around, so they put them above water. And we got Eastern Bluebird and House Finch there, new for the trip. I don't know if anyone else thinks Eastern Bluebirds are cemetery lovers, but I have to say, when I'm in the East, I seem to find eastern bluebirds at cemeteries a lot. Let me know if you, if you think so, too. Anyway, after a brief stop there, uh, on the east side of the lake, mostly looking for a toilet, no luck there, but we did get some Forester's turns. We stopped to strategize and decided to skip the Confederate Civil War Museum. It just seemed like a sad place to go, and we just weren't up for that. So instead, decided to head to what I thought would be a nice, easy finish to the day. Uh, there's a place called South uh, South Pole, not South Pole, South Point at the Biosavage National Wildlife Refuge. It wasn't too long a drive, and we, I thought we'd drive up there and check things out. Well, we drove up there and found out that it's a two-mile walk each way to South Point, but it was, and it was heat of the day again, but uh, it was flat, and we uh, worked our way out and back, and I'm really glad we did. It was some of the best birding since we got here. Uh, highlights were both white-faced and glossy ibis, along with an orchard oriole, eastern kingbirds, and just a whole bunch of common birds, but first for the trip species. So it's really fun birding there. Oh, purple gallinule, really cool pair of purple gallinules on the marsh there. Just really good. I was hoping for some shorebirds, but no luck on that. Uh, anyway, I am weary but excited. Birdcast has a forecast for tonight of a very heavy flight of migrants. So I decided instead of uh, just heading north on the Great River Road from here, we are going to backtrack, or not backtrack, but head south instead. We're going to go down to Grand Isle, hoping for a nice show, showing of pastorants tomorrow morning. Going to get up early, try to sleep fast, and head out. Uh, so uh, wish me luck with some pastorants, and uh, I'll, st I'll stay tuned here in another couple of days. Take care. Hey birders, Ed back again after several more days birding along the Mississippi River. This afternoon is really my first real break since we left Louisiana. I'm in Memphis right now and I'm going to fill you in on our trip but since uh, birding right around uh, New Orleans. On Monday, Marianne and I got up early and headed to Grand Isle. Uh, Grand Isle, Louisiana is one of the big birding migratory hotspots, hoping for a fallout, uh, and was devastated by a hurricane last year, Hurricane Ida, but it's on the way back. Uh, I communicated with local birder, Rebecca Greisner, by a f on Facebook Messenger, and she gave me confidence that it was possible to access some good birding areas there. And although I hadn't planned to venture south for that, I thought it's probably worth it, so we gave it a try. The drive down was great. We got up before daylight and watching the full moon give way to morning sun. It was just terrific. 
driving down. It kind of reminded me of driving down uh, through the Keys in Florida. It's just on these roads, uh, kind of highway along with water all over the place. It's really cool. We got to this place called Lafitte Woods. It's a, it's a nature conservancy preserve uh, that preserved a nice swath of trees right in the middle of a heavily built community on Grand Isle. Uh, the thing mostly that impressed me about Grand Isle, though, was how it had been devastated by Hurricane Ida and how it was just roaring back with reconstruction. Uh, it, uh, relentless uh, uh, vacationers there, I have to say. It was pretty impressive how many places were completely destroyed, how many had been just ripped to the ground or being rebuilt, and there was just construction going on everywhere. Well, BirdCast had projected a really heavy migration on Sunday night, and I was hopeful, uh, but didn't really pan out. Uh, at the Lafitte Woods, uh, we spent oh, a couple of hours in the morning, really birded the area pretty thoroughly, and just didn't find a whole heck of a lot. Uh, we uh, me, managed a few species, got to Orchard Oriole, Baltimore Oriole, Gray Cat Bird, heard a Scarlet Tanger, but uh, I was wondering if I was just completely incompetent and couldn't find a thing. But I met another birder who birds there more regularly. He just said it was just a super slow day and not much was happening. We found another area right near there with some good wooded areas that we birded and again, just not much happening. So we headed from there onto a place called the Exxon Fields. I guess it was previously owned by Exxon. Now there's another uh, uh, petroleum company there. Uh, but it was a lot better. There were clapper reels just calling everywhere uh, in the ponds. One finally pranced out to the edge and we had a little look at it. There were blue-winged teal. Uh, and we finally came on a place and got our first real shorebirds of the, of the trip. Uh, it was a nice little pond. Uh, had 54 American avocets, both species of dowagers, and just a lot of fun sorting through some shorebirds in the, in the flats there. Uh, uh, the, we tried again. Uh, on the way back out for migrants at the Lafitte Woods in the early afternoon, but no luck. I know they can take a while to get over the Gulf, and I was hoping some would pop in early in the afternoon, but no luck. And hopefully if they came, they either flew right on over or stopped in later in the afternoon. We'll see. Uh, but uh, not seen by me. Anyway, uh, I had a uh, I had hoped to see another area that was more of a historical interest to me, the Bonnet Carré Spillway uh, on the way back. So just before we got to uh, Baton Rouge, where we were going to plan to spend the night, uh, we stopped at the, at the spillway. Uh, it's, it's an area that's a flood control uh, spillway uh, just upriver from New Orleans, and it was built uh, between 1929 and 1931 after the big floods of 1927. It has 350 bays made up of 8 by 12 wood structures that are called teeth that are right beside each other that hold back the water, uh, but it's really above flood level. Uh, and so it really doesn't have water in front of it most of the time, but it does have a nice wetland in front and behind it. Uh, it the gaps in this thing are pretty significant. It looks like you see, you know, see sunlight right through it. So obviously it allows what's, what they call some seepage, but I suspect that if there's water that high, it's more than just a little seepage to get through, even without being opened. Uh, but uh, any or all of the 350 bays can be opened. And it's been opened, I'm gonna say 15 times or so over the time since it was built in times of flooding. And if you look at the, the Wikipedia page, you'll see that it's been a lot more recently. And I, I suspect that's because there's been a lot more flooding recently. It sure seems like that if you watch the news. Anyway, first we birded the mudflats in front of the spillway 
and found several new shorebirds for the trip, a big flock of stilt sandpipers, a couple of greater yellow legs mixed with lots of yellow, lesser yellow legs, had a solitary and a spotted sandpiper, a few pectoral sandpipers, a semi-pollinated plover, and lots of least, uh, least uh, terns also, just diving in the water there. Uh, got herring and ringbill, gull, uh, some bald eagles, so it's very nice. And then behind the spillway, we drove on a little road. You get in behind it and drive up and down a road there, and there were just big flocks of shorebirds all over the place. We had a western sandpiper, some semi-palmated sandpipers, a killdeer. I thought I had upland sandpiper, but I don't think so. I think it was just a funny-looking lesser yellow legs with his head popping up out of the grass. Uh, anyway, we called it a night, went to Baton Rouge, uh, got some sleep, and the next morning we crossed the river, uh, and drove along the river headed north on side roads. Uh, and uh, the uh, only thing really of super interest there for me was Mississippi kites seen flying across the Mississippi River. I thought that was, you know, kind of cool thing. Uh, and our last stop in Louisiana uh, was when we looked for a place for lunch. And uh, we didn't really have a plan for that, but we really lucked out. Uh, we're driving along the road and saw a sign that said Audubon State Historical Site. And I said, hmm. What better place to have lunch than at the Audubon State Historical Site? I thought, you know, I didn't really ha know what it would be, but we got there, and it's a really old plantation, the Oakley Plantation, this place where John James Audubon spent uh, spent a summer studying and uh, living well, I'm assuming. Uh, it's a really nice uh, plantation. We didn't tour the house, uh, but we did pay to tour the grounds, and it's just beautiful. Big, mature trees, nice trails for the forest, and we got to actually see some warblers instead of just hearing them there. Uh, we got Northern Parula, seemed like they were singing from every big tree. Uh, got uh, uh, singing Kentucky warblers and hooded warblers and wood thrush. It just seemed all over the place. Prairie and pine warblers were singing. Got a really nice look at an Acadian flycatcher, uh, which I've only seen a couple of times previously. Uh, and from there we headed to Natchez, uh, leaving Louisiana and setting foot in Mississippi for the first time. We toured the oldest antebellum mansion in the South, so they told us, called the Auburn Estate. It was really old and really run down and had a lot of history that was, you know, not that uh, fun to hear. It was pretty oppressive, really. Uh, but uh, kind of a cool place, and we birded the grounds a little bit and then drove to Vicksburg to spend the night. The next day we got up uh, and toured the Vicksburg National Military Park. We got there before it opened at 8.30, uh, thinking it was going to be open at 8, uh, but no luck. And uh, actually, we kind of did luck because one of the uh, volunteers said, oh, you can go in early, follow me. And she had the key to the gate and went in and thought that was cool until every car that went by reminded us that we weren't supposed to be there, but it was all cool. Uh, and uh, we did get some really good birding in. Highlight of that for sure for me was a Swainson's warbler, very cooperative, right beside the road, singing like crazy. Actually got some pictures of that. Uh, I'll try to put those up on the blog post I uh, put onto Ed's notes, Ed's birding notes on the birdbander.com webpage. Anyway, uh, I, uh, it's really nice to see Swainson's warbler. I'd only seen one Swainson's warbler previously in my whole life. Uh, had two chances uh, on a 
trip with Ken to Texas many, many years ago. Uh, there was a Swainson's where we were singing. We all popped out of the car. Ken was on the passenger side. I was driving. By the time I got the car parked and out of the car and around, it was gone. Uh, but uh, missed that one. But I did get one on the dry Tortugas uh, when Kay missed it because she was taking a break from the just horrible weather on that trip. Uh, and just one other birder and I stayed out and just uh, hounded until we got the this the uh, Swainson's warbler under some uh, under some little trees there on the by the lawn. Anyway, that was cool. This was much better look. Singing bird, seen at length, just really nice. In the afternoon, we drove a ways and then spent several hours at the Yazoo National Wildlife Refuge. It is a cool place. It's a big refuge just east of the river, maybe 30 miles north of Vicksburg. It's a really cool place with large wooded wetlands. And by wooded wetlands, I didn't really even know what wooded wetlands were till this trip. They are big areas of forest that, at least for part of the year, are just flooded. There's, you know, a few inches of water, maybe a little more than a few inches, a lot of cypress knees and cypress trees there, uh, but uh, really cool areas, and they seem to be what prothonotary warblers just love. They seem to be singing everywhere. We got a, we got great looks at those, and also saw a northern water thrush there, painted bunting, perched up nicely for us. We had the 43 species for the afternoon, really nice. That night we stayed in Grenville, Mississippi, uh, and we're planning on heading to Memphis the next day, uh, where we're hoping to stay for three nights, birding uh, both Tennessee and Arkansas before we head north to Kentucky. Uh, anyway, uh, we had a nice, uh, nice night's sleep in Grenville. While the hotel wasn't uh, we, it wasn't our best pick of a hotel, we uh, slept well, and uh, headed north. Got out pretty early, backtracked a little bit across the Mississippi, just south of Vicksburg and crossed into Arkansas for the first time. First Arkansas birds were house sparrows on the bridge with cliff swallows shortly behind. Uh, and uh, we headed north. Uh, I started seeing birds on the utility poles I think were shrikes. And, and by the third one, I stopped to get a look and sure enough, loggerhead shrikes were starting to show up. They were the first ones of the trip. Uh, and we just traveled north for a ways. Our first planned stop was at Lake Chico, uh, Lake Chico State Park. Lake Chico is a big 10-15 mile long shallow lake beside the Mississippi, pretty pretty well built up with, uh, with uh, vacation home sort of places along the side like lots of lakes are. And there were just lots of docks there and it seemed like every dock was just full of egrets, so both great and snowy egrets just roosting on the railings of these docks, which was pretty cool. And a lot of white American white pelicans and foresters turns, big, big flocks of cliff swallows again. They seem to be by far the most common swallow here along the, this, this part of the Mississippi. And I've had no luck at picking a cave swallow out of them, but uh, lots of cliffies. Uh, at the park, we wandered around for a couple of hours. It's a pretty typical campground sort of park with lots of campground sites and, and, uh, and pretty good uh, uh, plantings of fairly mature trees that had a lot of birds singing on them. Had lots and lots of Baltimore Orioles. Uh, got a nice look at a bright male Myrtle's yellow rumped warbler that it took me a while to convince Marion. That was the same species as the drab winter birds we've been seeing all year in Washington. Uh, they, uh, they are bright, nice-looking warbler, aren't they? Uh, on the way back to the freeway, we detoured out onto a little dirt levee road, mostly to get a look at a fishing boat Marion wanted to see. But again, it was another wooded wetland area with lots more prothonotary warblers and a big great egret rookery. Uh, from there to Memphis, it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take driving on the Arkansas side. There were kind of uh, highways that didn't really go in any straight line, and we 
stop for a rear red-tailed hawk. We haven't been seeing many beautios by the road. We've got a red-tailed hawk on the way. Uh, and stop at a place called the Arkansas Post National Memorial for our next uh, next birding stop. We've been trying to hit some historical places as well as just plain birding places. And this is a story, place with a lot of history. Arkansas Post was the first uh, first capital of uh, Arkansas Territory for a couple of years before uh, the, the capital moved uh, moved to its current site. Uh, and uh, it was a very cool historical stop. They had a nice movie in the visitor center. It kind of taught us all about how uh, it was a key to uh, navigating around that area and stuff. It was pretty cool. A lot of alligators, and we got our first indigo bunting of the trip, which was great. Uh, so, got to Memphis, got a good hotel, and got some sleep. This morning we got up planning on just kind of an easy day, uh, and an easy day it was. I did get a hold of T Michael Todd. He was my guest on, uh, I think it's episode 124 on the podcast, just a top Tennessee birder. And he suggested uh, that as planned, uh, that we go to we go to Ensley Bottoms uh, as a birding spot this morning. And he suggested another place right near that, the T.O. Fuller State T.O. Fuller State Park as a good place to see some woodland birds. And went to T.O. Fuller first, thinking earlier in the morning would be good, and it was good. The trails were a little muddy and steep in the area we tried to go, and the trees were tall, and the birds were high, and uh, a little tough really getting good looks at it. And we got good looks at a, uh, at a, uh, a northern pariola. Those are pretty common birds down here, and there were lots more prothonotary warblers with good looks again, too. Uh, and got both of the small woodland uh, beautios. Got uh, nice looks at a soaring, uh, uh, soaring broadwing <laughs> broad hawk. And a couple of three times we had uh, a red-shouldered hawk fly by that was just calling loud and it was really cool. And then got to Ensley Bottoms. What a cool place. Uh, it is like, I think it's a sewer treatment plant. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, it's a really cool place. They just move mud around there. It looks like there's big uh, uh, drainage ponds, uh, some of which are muddy, some of which have more water in them. And I got I got up on the dike side of one of the, the muddy ones, and it had just a pile. I mean a serious pile of lesser yellow legs. I think there might have been a thousand birds. I put 750 in my eBird list. It broke the filter. But in communication with Michael Todd later, he said they've had up to a thousand uh, recently around there. So I think I was, uh, I don't think I was overcounting. Although some of my friends would accuse me of that occasionally. Uh, anyway, I, I'm pretty confident there are a whole pile of uh, lesser yellow legs. And there are a few greater yellow legs mixed in. I got pectoral sandpiper, long-billed owlers, solitary sandpipers, black-necked stilts uh, for other shorebirds, uh, along with lots of blue-winged teal and black-bellied whistling ducks, and a pretty good number of shovelers. Uh, so our plan for the next two days is to stay in Memphis. Uh, rest up, get a little music, check out the city, and uh, get in a little birding in this area too. Tomorrow, debating between heading over to Arkansas or staying here in Tennessee, this just one side or the other of the Mississippi River, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, I'm going to call this a, a wrap for this episode and try to put this along with the previous uh, recording up as a sort of Ed-only podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know. Uh, and take care, good birdie, good day.